You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Mind your business. This is the last message in the One Way, God's Way series that we have been in probably the majority of the year exploring different relationships whether that would be parents and children, husbands and wives, uh, the church and, and the flock, uh, employees and employers in the workplace. I think we've taken a fairly comprehensive look at uh, what God has intended in terms of his recipe for how we live our lives in these various relationships. And as a kind of a summary uh, encouragement and admonition uh, I wanted to talk about our responsibilities as a church, a, a kingdom, a, a kingdom people with a kingdom purpose and what we need to do. And that's why we've titled this sermon, Mind Your Business. Every organization is or should be guided by a fundamental philosophy or purpose commonly known as a mission statement. This statement captures the vision or direction of the organization, whether the organization is profit or nonprofit, secular or spiritual, operating around the world or in the local sphere of influence, every organization or group should have a statement of mission, a vision, a common goal, a uniting purpose, a reason for their existence. In this uh, in this way, the people of the organization can rally around a common cause and know what they are trying to accomplish on a day-to-day -day basis. This is extremely important. If there are activities and actions that are contrary to the mission or vision for the organization, these can be weeded out or jettisoned. And only those activities or actions that accomplish the goal or the mission can be pursued. You think about Proverbs 29 and 18, it says where there is no vision, the people do what? They perish, or as the NIV say, they cast off restraint. An operational definition of a mission is a specific task with which a person or group is charged. As an example, one of my former employers, my current employer actually does not, we don't have a mission statement. Uh, you know, that, that would be somewhat to our detriment. Maybe I'll have to call my partner Howard after the service and say, how come we don't have a mission statement? But we did have one at, at Greenfield Partners, my previous employer. So I'm going to give you this as an example. Greenfield Partners desires to achieve long-term excellence in the real estate investment business by building and retaining a team of talented individuals with unparalleled, unparalleled dedication to their work and to each other, and also by creating a culture that can anticipate and adapt to the changes in the investment environment. Wow. So you think, yeah, that, that is. So obviously we're a real estate private equity firm. And again, the, the vision or the mission of the, of the business was to be able uh, to come together and to be able to adapt to the real estate uh, landscape and environment and be able to achieve the returns that we want to be able to achieve for our investors. You can even, so that's a, a secular organization. You, you can think about Anybody that has ever gone through counseling with me and Sister Kim in terms of marital counseling, premarital counseling in particular, we have what we call this path to marital success. 
amen, where we're encouraging uh, as part of the process for the couple to have a vision statement and then a mission statement and then goals and an action plan plan gets developed. And so you have to come up with a mission statement for your marriage, amen, something that's going to guide you, something that should anchor you. I'll just share with you, uh, Sister Kim, and our mission statement for our marriage, to worship God together, to model righteous living, and to lovingly encourage, edify, and esteem each other in our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. That's our mission statement for our marriage. Amen? There is a mission statement for this church. Amen? There's a vision statement for this church. There's a mission statement uh, for this, this church as, as well. And we also encourage all the couples just in terms of that, that uh, marital ministry to also have a key verse to which they can anchor their, their marriage that will, will help them to uh, direct and guide their, their marriages. And so, again, whether you're talking about that marital relationship, whether you're talking about a secular organization, whether you're talking about the, the church, I would just tell you that, that uh, you have to have a vision statement. You have to have a mission statement. The vision statement for New Life Christian Fellowship is let us rise up and, and build. Amen. Let us rise up and build. It's, there's a lot that goes behind that. Our mission statement is to equip believers with the biblical foundation, tools, and resources necessary to make a meaningful impact on the generation we are called to serve and disciple. I know you could have said it right with me. You were just letting me do it by myself, right? And if you ever forget what it is, just go into the fellowship hall that's on the wall. Amen. The key verse for us is 1 Timothy 4, 7, B, and 8. Rather, train yourselves to be godly, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and the life that is to come, which gives us our model training for life. Amen? So we have to have something in front of us. Amen? There has to be a mission that we're trying to accomplish. I think probably the most famous mission that there can be are, 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 are the, the missions that would be attached to the, the movies Mission Impossible. Every time that, well, in this case for us, Tom Cruise, but it used to be a TV show back in the day. But every time it's like your mission, if you choose to accept it, is this. And everything, the mission is always it's crazy. It's like it is truly a mission impossible. And he has to decide whether he's going to undertake that mission, who he's going to get to help them, help him. But they have to know what the mission is. Nothing else matters except the what? The mission. And you don't, you're not successful in terms of the impossible mission force, IMF, unless you actually do what? Accomplish the mission. Amen. So I just wanted to share with you, I was able to get my hands on a couple of mission statements from some other churches, and I wanted to see if any of these made sense to you. These are the mission statements from some other churches that I got my hands on. From the Blessed uh, Savior Overcoming Episcopal Methodist Assembly of God Incorporated. 
We seek to foster an environment within our church where backbiting, jealousy, discord, dissension, and other manifestations of the flesh can flourish. We affirm that we do not desire to offend anyone, therefore we will not emphasize doctrinal teaching or the disciplining of our members, but instead we will concentrate on the outside of the cup regardless of any filth on the inside. Here's another one. From the spirit-filled, anointed, evangelical, Presbyterian brethren, house of prayer with power, incorporated. We humbly commit ourselves to ensuring that our assembly is a place where those who seek to wear the finest clothes and the sharpest accessories can come and feel comfortable. We also desire to be an institution where men and women, young and old, can come to shop for a life mate and have access to social functions like teas and fashion shows, bingo games, musicals, etc. For we realize we should not be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. From the Mount Zion, Rock of Ages, Pentecostal Church of the Abiding Vine, Progressive Gathering of Believers Outreach Center, Incorporated. In great sincerity, we desire to make the gospel of Jesus Christ as unappealing as we possibly can by treating any and everyone that we do not know with utter contempt and harsh judgment. This allows our church to cut out the headache of reaching out and ministering to people and will keep our church membership both cozy and comfortable. From the Fellowship of True Saints Assembly of Faithful Bloodwashed Servants of the Cross Ministry Number 2, Incorporated. With supreme sacrifice, we pledge to stand for nothing and therefore fall for anything. When the latest trend emerges, we'll follow it. When a popular doctrine arises, we'll embrace it. When the people desire to please themselves with a new direction, we will implement it. This will be done without consideration to the revelation of Scripture or without seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The mess that may be created is just part of having church. And last but not least... From the prayer temple of faithful Lutheran Baptist Church of God, Holy Holiness Ministry of Peace, Incorporated. It is the desire and will of this ministry to build as many buildings as we can and raise as much money as we can as we can in order to work, uh, do the work of our ministry, which is building as many buildings and raising as much money as we can. In this way, we will show others how great we are. We further commit to those parts of the Bible that talk about prosperity, gain, and the importance of giving while completely ignoring any and all passages that deal with suffering, trial, or sacrifice. Now, these mission statements, beloved, are not real. The churches are not real, uh, but these are derived from my sanctified but culturally influenced imagination. But unfortunately, they're not far from the truth for some of our fellow churches. If you don't know what the mission statement is, but you just watch the activity, you watch what we're about as a church. There is a there's a varied way in which people can consume church uh, from uh, and the invitation that we make as kingdom people. Beloved is not consistent. Amen. You could really think that that is the mission and goal of the church based upon the activity and the posturing of the churches that we see all around us. We don't want to be anywhere near that in terms of mission. And if we don't know what we're about, 
supposed to be about the business of doing. If we don't mind our business, I submit we will naturally drift rudderlessly towards these kinds of expressions. So where do we begin to formulate a correct mission for our churches? Hold on one second. I was looking for my, I don't have it. Okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> I was looking for my towel. Um, so where do we go to, to, to look for a, a, a mission for our churches? We begin with the master himself. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus gives us the mission statement for his ministry, and I'm convinced that the elements and principles outlined in his mission statement and accomplished in his life during his earthly ministry should and must be emulated by the body of Christ. Amen? Jesus stayed focused on his mission, and he accomplished it. Jesus minded his business, and you and I need to mind our business as well. And that is not a reference to being a busybody or being nosy. Uh, and I know some of you were nervous thinking that I was going to Get, get, in, get, get into your, your personal behavior and how you conduct yourself, but I'm not getting into your personal behavior. I want to get into our corporate behavior as believers, as kingdom people, because there's too many varied expressions of what church must be about, and we know that most of these expressions, unfortunately, are actually not attractive to the world. They literally repel the world. We, we give them excuse to say, see, that's why I don't go to church. But if you look in Luke chapter 4, now I will warn you, some of this will seem familiar to you. I literally haven't preached this passage in, in, uh, for 17 years, not this particular passage, but it's so powerful that I have stepped on it and, and borrowed to it, and, and I'll, I'll bring it into other messages, which I know I have, because it's always, it's always present in my mind, this Luke chapter 4 passage. So if it sounds familiar to you, good. If you got notes on it, even better. That means we get a chance to review what we've talked about many times, I'm sure, over the years. Because Luke chapter 4 is, 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 is the great consecration. You've got the great commission. You've got the, the great commandment. Luke chapter 4 is what we call the great consecration. It's what consecration meaning uh, setting apart, the anointing. Amen? And so Jesus is set apart to do a particular work, which if you understand it in context, is literally his mission statement for his ministry. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach. Y'all not with me. The acceptable year of the, the Lord. And if you look at the overall flow of the text, uh, Jesus, there's an affirmation of Jesus's messianic. Thank you. He's, it's an affirmation of Jesus's. And he got, see, see how Brother Tony is? He gets something that even matches, matches my outfit. You all right, Tony. You all right. No matter what Brother Kevin says about you, you all right. Brother Kevin would have bought me a, you know, a pink towel or something, but he, Tony went with orange. That's, that's all right. Look at that. So Jesus' affirmation of his messianic ministry. He was the bearer of the spirit, the prophet with the good news, the one who would set men free and set things right. 
Amen. And, and so he, as he steps up and he reads this, this passage out of Isaiah, he lets them know that I'm the one that, that was to come. Today, you, this, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He, he particularly didn't mention the, the judgment part of the text that was in Isaiah because he says, I'm coming as the Lamb of God in my first advent. I will come as the Lion of Judah in my second one. And I'm coming now to be Savior. When I come back, I will be coming to judge. And so he said that there, there's this first advent and this second advent but his affirmation that grace would be included to the gentiles and at the end of when he put the book down the the the, the uh, jews were upset because he let them know that there's going to be there this is my mission it's not just to you it's to everyone amen jews and gentiles i have come to reveal this and in order to accomplish the mission for the church you need to look at the passage and three things need to to be in place for you and me to be able to be able to to handle the mission. Now, again, you've got to have a mission that incorporates the things that Jesus has in his mission. I believe that our mission statement, I believe that the vision that God has given us for this church is in concert with the mission that Jesus did. Amen. I believe it is. And I believe that we need to be minding our business. Amen. We shouldn't be about some of the other things that we know church can be about, particularly in our community. We don't really know how they do church in the other community because we're not in that community. We just know what we're doing and what we're not doing. Amen. We need to be about the business that Jesus was about. The first thing is, and again, you, you look at verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's talking about the fact that he has the presence of the spirit. Jesus is saying, I can witness because of the presence of the spirit. Everything that happens in church, everything that happens in the kingdom has something to do with the spirit. God always gives us resources before he gives us, as he gives us requirements. God always provides where he guides. Amen. God always protects where he directs. He always gives resources to fulfill requirements. Amen. And so he says, this is what I need you to be about the business of doing. You're going to be able to accomplish it by the spirit. Jesus was able to accomplish what he was accomplishing because God the Father gave God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He says, I can now witness because of the presence of the spirit. The scripture says in, in Luke chapter 1, excuse me, in, in verse 35, that, that's where the, the spirit lighted on uh, on, on uh, uh, Jesus like a, a dove, and the an answer came, the Holy Ghost shall, oh, actually, this is uh, in John, uh, in Luke, excuse me, Luke 1 and 35 is when the angel was talking to Mary, and the angel said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So from the very, very beginning in conception, uh, God moved by the Holy Spirit uh, to, to have his presence there, and again, that's in conception, and at his baptism, that's when it lighted on him like a dove and the spirit came down and said this is my beloved son in whom I am what well please hear ye him amen then in Matthew chapter 3 you see that by the spirit he was driven into the desert to be tempted by the enemy amen you see it in, in Matthew and Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned and was led by the spirit into again led and 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 everything he was doing was because he had the what the presence of the spirit. Now, let me let you in on a little secret. You had the presence of the spirit, too. 
Amen. Don't you? Don't you have the presence of the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 1 says, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Amen. Second Peter 1 says, according to his divine power, he hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, whereby we have given it been given exceeding great and precious promise, promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. What does it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature? It means that God has given us his very divine nature, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have the presence of the Spirit. And just like Jesus, we are able then to witness because of the presence of the Y'all are not with me. You can witness because of the presence of the Spirit. The, the Spirit provides all of the advantages we talked about earlier in the year. That the, the Spirit is about counsel and comfort and cohesion and, and, and care and concern. All the things that the Spirit provides. He is our secret weapon in order to get done what God wants us to get done. And if you have the Spirit, you have all of the advantages that the Spirit provides. So the question never is, do you have all of the Spirit? The question is, does the spirit have all of you? Because the presence of the spirit brings peace. The filling of the spirit brings fruit. Fruit filled. Just like a hostess pie. They would always advertise it was real Real fruit filling. I don't know if it was, but they advertised that that hostess apple pie was real fruit filling. I believe that one might have been the hostess cherry pie. Not so sure. But they said real, real fruit filling. If you want to know and you want to move by the presence of the spirit, then you're going to also then be you're going to have the, the filling of the spirit and the filling of the spirit will uh, will be indicated by the fruit, by their fruits. Come on, somebody. You shall know them. We'll know that you're an orange tree because we'll see oranges. We'll know if you're an apple tree because we'll see apples. We'll know that you've been filled with the Spirit of God because we'll see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, and meekness. Against such there is no law. That's what Galatians 5 talks about. So we need to be filled, and then the fruit of the Spirit will show forth in our lives. So again, witness because of the presence of the Spirit. Be Spirit-filled. That's baseline. That has to be fundamental to us being able to accomplish any mission that God wants, wants us to accomplish. And guess what? It's not mission impossible if he gives you all of the resources to get it done. We think that living this life is a mission impossible. It is not mission impossible because we have the spirit. And he says, listen, I give you the spirit and his presence will give you peace. But you need to be filled with the spirit. And that way you'll have the fruit of the spirit. And then you'll begin to look like you're supposed to look. You'll walk like you're supposed to walk. You'll act like you're supposed to act. You'll do what you're supposed to do. You'll think like you're supposed to think. And you will reflect me in all that you do. Jesus says, I'm witnessing because of the presence of the spirit. I'm spirit filled. And then the second thing is I can walk because of the prompting by the spirit. Come on, somebody. Not, not only was Jesus spirit filled, 
Jesus was spirit led. Amen. That go, go back to go back to chapter four and verse one of Luke and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. That's when he was uh, tempted. And then in verse uh, 14, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. So again, after being tempted, the spirit led him into Galilee. You and I have to do all of the walking and about that we do. Because we're spirit-filled, it's not enough to just be spirit-filled. Beloved, you've got to be spirit-led. Amen? So not just witness because of the presence of the spirit. You walk because of the prompting by the spirit. You're anointed. You're set apart. That speaks to your giftedness, and God will accomplish what he wants for you. And many activities that are undertaken that I mentioned in the mission statements of those fake churches that I made up, God has not anointed us to pursue. Amen. You got to understand that pursuit matters. Amen. And what you pursue, you'll, you'll pursue after it and you'll go after it. And if, and if you do, if you have the wrong pursuit, beloved, you'll get the wrong results. You won't get things that God will be pleased with. Your pursuit has to be the right pursuit. The best way to pursue what God wants you to pursue is to listen to the spirit and then be led by the spirit. Don't do anything without the Spirit's leading. Don't make any move without talking to, to God about it. And, and, and the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He gives us all of those things. Amen. He says, if you want to know what you should do, you better get down on your knees and pray and let the Holy Spirit uh, 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 come in with you as you pray and be able to help you with groanings that cannot be uttered. He'll be able to help you and purify what it is that you think you want to do. He'll put you on the right path to do what God would have you to do. And anointed in Greek, that, that, that word really talks about being set apart. When you were set apart, they would anoint you with oil. When King David was to become king, well, he wasn't King David then. He was just David. When David got anointed by Samuel, he was set apart to be king. That's how they used to do it. They would set apart the priests to, with, with special oil and special clothing. But you were, you were set apart, and you were set apart and given a specific job to do. And you've been given a specific job to do, and God has given you not just the resource of the Holy Spirit to get that job done. He has given you a spiritual gift to get that job done. A spiritual gift that, that, that uh, is for the edification of the body and to glorify him. And every believer has at least one spiritual gift, and he's done that for cohesion. Amen? The body is fit together for a purpose. And if you're not exercising your spiritual gift under the guidance and, and leadership of the Holy Spirit and the local church, the local church is missing out. And so are you because we're not complete if we're not all on the same page doing what God called us to do. And if we were we were more than just spirit filled. Come on, somebody. And we were spirit led. We would see more activities that the Lord would be pleased with. And that would lead to this third thing. You not only do you witness because of the presence of the spirit, you walk because of the prompting by the spirit. This third one is where Jesus got into it, which is you work because of the power of the spirit. Spirit filled. Spirit led. Spirit powered. 
All because of the spirit. Spirit led, spirit, spirit filled, spirit led, spirit power. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he hath anointed me to do four specific things. He has anointed me to be in four areas of business. He has anointed me to do these things. These are the things. This is the business that the church should be in. Amen. I'm talking about every church. I'm talking about every ministry should be covering these four bases. Jesus says he has put, he has told me to preach the gospel. He's told me three times, preach, preach deliverance to the captive, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, you better be in the business of preaching. You got to evangelize. Amen. That is a core mission of a church. You've got to be able to evangelize. You're not, we're not supposed to sit up in a holy huddle and just hang out together. We've got to go out to the highways, Come on, somebody, and the byways, and we need to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Why? Because that's just what Jesus did. We have to evangelize and not entertain. We're not in the entertainment business. We're in the evangelism business. You got to know what business you're in. Isn't that so clarifying? That's why you need a mission statement. And so when you see that the fact that you're not preaching and teaching the word of God, that, that you don't have any outreach, then you got to say, we got to get out of that. That's not our business. Our business is not to entertain people and entertain people for an hour on a Sunday and let them go. We are preaching for decisions. We are preaching. I'm preaching. I know I am. I'm preaching so that your life will be changed. I'm preaching so that you will leave out of here a different way than you came in. I'm preaching that, that, that you may be able to open up your Bible like the Bereans did and be able to inspect the word of God for yourself. I'm, I'm trying to inspire you to be in a relationship with God that lets you go deeper and deeper. I want you to question. I want you to, I want you to, to have conviction around what it said. I want to preach the word be instant in season and out of season to rebuke reprove and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine that's what it says that i'm supposed to be doing in second timothy chapter four that's what i'm trying to do and if i can entertain you along the way i will but that's not my primary objective evangelize not entertain jesus said i'm here to heal the brokenhearted he says, I'm in the encouragement business. I'm encouraging people because there are a lot of people that are brokenhearted. I'm in the encouragement business, not the exclusion business. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, I, I, I'll pray for you. No, you won't. Not, not, if, you, not if you don't want to take any steps around healing the, the brokenhearted. There are people that are folks that are hurting and need help. And he says, I, I, I'm here to do that. He says, I'm here to, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Yep. And the recovering of sight to the blind. That's the third thing. He says, I'm in the evangelism business, not the entertainment business. I'm in the encouragement business, not the exclusion business. He says, I am in the emancipation business not the exploitation business. I'm in the emancipation business. There are people that, that uh, uh, of the recovering of sight to the blind. He, he says, I'm, I'm, that's the business that I'm in. There are people that are blind and they, they need to be emancipated. They need to be, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, that's the empowerment business. I'm sorry. Flip that. You already know what the fourth one is now. So recovering of sight to the blind is the empowerment business. I'm in the empowerment business. Being blind is a, is, is a condition that, that 
you have to, re- you, you really, you know, you, you're trying to gain independence, obviously, but, but you really need to rely on others around you. He says, I want to recover your sight so that you can be empowered to see for yourself, to make the decisions you need to make and follow me. I am in the empowerment business, not the exploitation business. You don't want to be, when you see somebody that's blind, you can either help them and you're in a great position to take advantage of them too because they can't see you can lead them someplace and tell them that they are in the right place and they won't necessarily know and that's what a lot of churches do because they see the desperation and they see um, um, they see the discouragement and they see the condition of where folks are and they say to themselves I can really I can really exploit them and that's not what we're called to do. We're called to empower people, not to what? Not to exploit. And last but not least, he says, set at liberty them that are bruised. He says, I am in the emancipation business. Set at liberty them that are bruised. The emancipation business, not the evacuation business. When you evacuate, that means you leave. We are not called to make it and not reach back. We're not called to make it and then start to uh, operate in a silo, amen? We're connected. Now I'm talking church and I'm talking black folks, amen? We're connected. We're always gonna be connected, amen? And so if you're in the emancipation business, that means that we're, we're in the business of righting wrongs and fighting the establishment on, on behalf of people like Jesus when he was locking horns with the Pharisees about the Sabbath or he took up for the adulterous woman in John chapter eight or when he took up for the, the blind man in John chapter nine. Again, Jesus was in the emancipation business. I came to set the captives free, amen? And you and I need to be in the business. Of, that's a social justice kind of, outlook. It's not like we're an island to ourselves. There are people around us that need to be emancipated. So there is work that we need to be doing that's out in the marketplace from a social justice standpoint. We need to let justice run down like a, a river and righteousness like a, a like, like, like a stream. I think it's what it says in Amos chapter 5. That's one of Martin Luther King's quote, quotes. Let, let justice run down. Let it roll down. Amen. And righteousness like a flowing stream. Justice and righteousness. We need to be fighting for that. That tells us that is our business. Some people say churches shouldn't be in the, in the business of, uh, of doing voter registration. And they shouldn't be out fighting at City Hall. They shouldn't be trying to do some of the things that, that are good work that churches should be doing. And you ask yourself, would Jesus be doing this? Yes, he would. Because he was in the uh, emancipation business. He was in the empowerment business. He was in the evangelism business and he was in the encouragement business. That's what Jesus did, and he was spirit-led, and he was spirit-filled, and he was spirit-powered. To equip believers with the biblical foundation and tools and resources necessary to make a meaningful impact on the generation we are called to serve and disciple. Equipping believers with the biblical tools, resources, foundation tools and resources necessary to make a meaningful impact. That we're called to serve and disciple. That includes preaching and teaching. That includes 
empowerment, that includes emancipation, that includes evangelism. And what I love about the passage or about the life of Jesus is the scripture does indeed bear witness to the fact that Jesus minded his business. He accomplished his mission. Because you recall in Luke chapter 7, when John the Baptist was in jail, his disciples came to Jesus and asked, is he the one or should we look for another? His reply came back. It was clear and it demonstrated that he did his job when he replied to them, go your way and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor, the gospel has been preached. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. He said, don't, I'm minding my business. I'm always about my father's business. I have evangelized because that's my business. I'm not in the entertainment business. I'm in the evangelism business. I am not in the exclusion business. I'm in the encouragement business. I am not in the exploitation business. I am in the empowerment business. I am not in the evacuation business. I am in the emancipation business. My encouragement to us today is that we rethink what we have put in place. And I think what we put in place is good directionally that we want to train for life, that, that we want to rise up and build, that, that we want to be able to be in, in these lines of business in terms of our mission statement. And that mission statement should rally us. But if you have a mission statement, but you don't complete it, it's as if you don't have one at all. We got work to do. We got to mind our business. And at times in the life of our church, we've minded it better than we're minding it now. I want us to get back to minding our business in such a way that when Jesus, when we see Jesus, he can say, well done. Good and faithful servants, enter thou in the joy of the Lord because you minded your business.